Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing and entertainment spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and even more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. Joining me on this episode to discuss some of the latest trends and developments in sports from his unique perspective is Al Guido, president of the San Francisco 49ers and chairman and CEO of Elevate Sports Ventures. Al, it's great to see you again, and, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Jim. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> you know, let's just start off, you know, with, with your involvement across, you know, such a wide spectrum of different types of uh, sports properties and organizations through, through both of those dual roles. I'd love to get your perspective on, on a number of things. And I, I want to start with uh, something we've seen a, a lot lately, and that's kind of the entry of cryptocurrency uh, in, into the business. Um, you know, most recently, with a lot of partnership deals. We've seen some NBA jersey deals most uh, most recently. You know, clearly, that's a, a new source of a partnership revenue for, for teams. It obviously can impact other areas of the business. But, you know, I, I think some people are treading more, maybe more carefully than others. It, it's, a, it's a new area. It's untested. I'd just love to get your thoughts on on uh, what what you see the impact of, of crypto really being on the business? Yeah, Jim, I appreciate you asking. It's um, I would say all the emerging categories uh, are really here, whether it's crypto, NFT, um, legalized sports betting. Um, they are, you know, a couple of years ago we had the emergence of the daily fantasy spend inside of uh, professional collegiate international sports as it relates to sponsorship dollars. And I think we all remember the arms race that it was to lock up deals across leagues, teams. And we're seeing the same inside the crypto space. And I think there's, you certainly need to educate yourself on the players who's there. Every team in every league is sort of at a different stage of their acceptance of that. You know, whether it's rights and marks, whether it's actual acceptance of crypto in general as it relates to finances. Um, at Elevate, we were uh, fortunate enough to be involved in the Portland Trailblazers deal uh, with StormX. And so we've seen this evolve over time. Every league is a little different, Jim, as you know. In the NFL, we're not necessarily allowed to do deals in this space. I don't want to get too involved in like there's a number of players, as you know, whether it's trading and all that. And so we're, you know, but but the NBA has been a little bit more progressive on that front. And so I think all of these categories um, are fantastic and there's a good amount of players. There's good amount of cash. And truthfully, 
the name recognition for all of them is not there as it relates to the broader general public. And I think sports is a great way to, to garner name recognition. That's why people have for years and years put their names on sports teams, brands, whether it be the teams themselves or the stadiums. And so I think you're going to see a convergence of emerging categories and uh, new assets coming to life, right? You've already had the NBA jersey patch. Now you have the NHL, soon to have MLB. You have helmet decals. You have new on-ice positions. You have new on-field positions in Major League Baseball due to the pandemic. And so you saw this acceleration of emerging categories alongside of an acceleration of new assets. And those two things, right, there's a good amount of supply in the market. And these cat these companies are really jockeying for name recognition and, and market share. And so I think you'll see them spend similar to probably how, again, how the daily fantasy players spent a few years back. It also puts me in mind, you know, going back now a couple of decades to, to the dot coms, right? And on all the spending we saw back then. And but we also know that was that was part of a bubble that uh, you know did, that did burst in, in, in a lot of cases. Is there a conversation when you're talking about entering deals in some of these new categories where having gone through that experience, you, you look and say, are there ways to protect uh, against you know, something like that happening? Not having uh, you know, names have to come off jersey patches in a couple of years because you know, a company wasn't uh, quite as, as solid maybe as it looked when, it, when the deal was first signed? There's definitely a conversation, Jim, and each individual one is... Um... You know, I'd like to say there's a one size fits all approach to this, but there's not. And you're right. There was the dot com era, you know, call it the software era, right? Like we we uh, represented the earthquakes and we're so pleased to sign PayPal Park. Um, but prior to PayPal Park was Avaya, who unfortunately went under. Right. And so this isn't new. And I think depending upon what asset uh, these companies are tying themselves to it, that will It'll either be a short conversation with an ownership or long, right? And I think is it like we're talking about naming rights and 10 years and the financial validity of that company, it's probably a longer conversation, right? If you're talking about, hey, a gate entitlement on a short-term deal, three to five years, maybe it's not so long because the average annual value of that deal might be at a point where everyone feels comfortable that they can you know, continue to make their payments and they have enough cash in their business, so on and so forth. So I think it depends on what asset, what team, what league, and truth be told, what partner and and the backing of those partners uh, and and how comfortable we all feel that they will be there for the long haul. I don't think anybody would, I don't think anybody will say, maybe some people will, like crypto's here to stay, NFTs are here to stay. Legalized sports betting is here to stay. I think if depending upon what property or league you are, you have to make the decision that's best for you based off the length and term and deal size that you feel comfortable with. Yeah, that makes makes perfect sense. You know, I'd like to look a little bit uh, at the at the larger spectrum of just you know all of the different types of uh, local and, and non media revenues uh, for properties. So you know things like partnerships we've been talking about, ticket sales. You know, the challenge has always been, you know, how do you grow those when there are certain limitations, right? Oh, you know, number of seats, number of signs, whatever it is. So I'd like to, to hear from you, like, where do you see growth coming from in the next few years? Is, is it kind of those new 
some of those new categories we've been talking about, clearly, you know, that that's that's one. But is it also new types of, of inventory? Is it is it you know maybe just raising in general raising prices uh, for for what properties have to sell? What do you think about that? Yeah, not to be too long winded because you just asked about local, so I'll just stay to local, not national. Um, so there's the, there's your finite inventory and there's your infinite pieces of your inventory and your finite inventory is your tickets and your suites. But the reality is you can probably create some more. Maybe you can do some renovations. Maybe you can add some new products over time. We've done that at the 49ers, right? We've added some new suite inventory. We've added some new field inventory, but to some degree, like it is finite. And so you have to find the right price point for that piece of inventory to meet your supply demand curve. And one would hope that that will continue to go up because live sports is fantastic. And in our case, We've seen record numbers coming out of the pandemic as it relates to demand and revenue attached to our finite pieces of inventory. In our sponsorship category, which I actually think is infinite, right? it is air to a degree. Yes, you're right. There is some physical elements to entitlement spaces inside of buildings that you could argue could be finite, right? There's a certain amount of club space entitlement. There's a certain amount of plaza space entitlement. There's only so much LED you can sell in a game, right? Because it has a four-hour window and you have to package that up. But I think what the with the advent of social digital fandom, and you think about the long tail of an organization, right? I think about we sell to brands, the 70,000 fans that are in our seats for all 10 games. But more importantly, what they're asking for is what about the 10 million fans around the world? Exactly. And I think as the NFL gets to a point where they open up the ability to go outside of your local DMA to bring in international clients or brands, right? That gives us an opportunity to monetize our asset in a way that we haven't done before. Then you lump on the ability to do emerging categories, which we haven't been able to do. And certainly if you talk to any of the California teams, legalized sports betting is probably at the top of our list. We're the largest state in the union. It's the most untapped market for any of these brands or companies. And so how are we thinking about activating if that becomes legal in our state? And what does that mean to us monetarily? And so, and then I think there's a whole host of things that maybe don't fit inside the traditional buckets of how someone thinks about revenue. And so you might think about, look, give the Cowboys a ton of credit, Ford Field, the training center, the development property. Um, all of that is wrapped into the Cowboys. Now, people might not think about it that way because you don't see it show up on game day, right. but that doesn't mean that it's not Cowboy generated. And so I think what you've seen is a sophistication at the club level, team level, to expand outside of the walls of their physical footprint. And that, that might mean building more physical footprint. That might mean getting into the venture space. We've, the 49ers have been there. The Atlanta Falcons, I think Steve Cannon, you know, announced his venture arm where they're really taking the approach similar to what the leagues have done. If you think about, you know, the ventures committee at the NFL, they've done deals while also taking equity in those deals. And I think that is a new way to think about, okay, great. We have these local buckets, sponsorship, ticketing, and suites, and we have to generate significant revenue in those. But the how we generate the revenue in those is changing. Right. It's not just spots and dots and physical signs anymore. The sophistication has been um, accelerated. And I think teams are doing a real good job now thinking short term, midterm and long term as it relates to 
the monetization of their brand. That's great. And and, and certainly, you know, when I speak to to brands and, and, and partnership folks on, on that side, you know, there will always be value in the physical elements and, and the activation elements on site at the games, no question, right? But more and more you hear them talking about, as you mentioned, hey, reaching that much larger fan base that's never going to walk through the turnstiles and, and doing it uh, in all kinds of creative ways, whether it's co-branded content or, or, or anything like that. So, and that kind of actually leads me into the, the next question. When you and I talked recently, you, you mentioned the need for, for teams to kind of take the, the partnership activation efforts to the next level and, you know, working with those brands, working with sponsors. And as you put it, kind of develop agency-like capabilities to, to deliver value back to those partners. So can you talk a little bit more about that? And, um, and I have a feeling data plays a role there. So can you just tell me what you meant a little bit more about that agency-like role? Yeah, well, it's, it starts to a degree with the, the how you build your infrastructure from a staffing perspective. And I think everyone's different here in their needs. And so at the 49ers, I really felt in our marketing department that we had to have someone that had a, a thought process that had sat on the agency or brand side, not on the team side, and that understood in the decision tree at a brand why they make the decision to spend money and with who they make it, and then how, more importantly, how they evaluate the deal in an ongoing sense. And Alex Chang, we hired, who was at Samsung, who was at Wasserman, who oversaw the Amex budget spend. And he's been here now for a couple of years. And I think he's really transformed how we think about marketing, social, and digital as it relates to how we activate our brands, not just on game day, throughout the course of the entire calendar year. Brent Shove on our team, who's our chief revenue officer, has always been, in my opinion, very progressive with thoughts and ideas as it relates to where brands stand. And every brand is different. Some brands are coming into sports for the first time. And maybe they just need a lot of idea, you know, ideation of how they want to bring their brand to life. Some others are more sophisticated, probably have agencies behind them, really have a thought as how they want to activate. And then, then it just comes down to, are you doing what they ultimately have signed up for, right? And how often are you frequently communicating with them? Measurement, the hot topic, right? And I think that it, it comes alongside of, there's a lot of inventory a brand could buy. You could buy it at the national level. You could buy it at the local level. You could buy it at the local media level that's sort of tied to the team. And so there's a lot of decision trees that a brand would need to make around where do I want to spend my money? How do I spend it? And truth of the matter is what eyeballs are being delivered to me um, and how stickiness, how sticky are those eyeballs if I'm correlated with this rights and marks property. And I think measurement will continue to evolve and we've seen it, right? There's There was the linear measurement um, that we all knew of Nielsen and company as it relates to broadcast television. You know, then there became the social and digital measurements and, you know, not to give too many companies away around who do this. And I think even that to a degree is changing and evolving over time. And you know, where you would be able to in the past do a recap and say, okay, here was the money I spent. Here was my assets. Here's the rate card I spent for it. Did the team deliver on these assets? And did it, you know, match the impressions that I thought were going to be there? That's definitely one way. To, I mean, it is the way we do the recaps. Um, I, I think that will continue on, but 
how how much further we go um, outside of these, these are just the eyeballs or impressions are going to be really, really important, right? You know, Elevate is doing this on behalf of properties right now um, and on behalf of brands around how we think about it. And so I think there's two you know, if you think about the sponsorship world, it's like ultimately I'm buying this, and and what am I getting for it, and and why do my, why do I what is the market fit for my consumer on why I want to be alongside of this brand? At the same time, is there's a lot of purpose driven sponsorship that we're seeing now in the space, right? And give Tim Lewicki and OVG credit on climate, you know, climate pledge, right, which is not Amazon's name attached to something, and so I think you're just seeing the space evolve. Now you would tell me, Jim, it's been evolving for years. It will continue to evolve. There is no end point uh, to partnership or sponsorship. And but I do what I would say is that the tools are there now to be a little bit more sophisticated into how do I measure uh, this? And brands are either using those through their agencies or they're more knowledgeable that they exist. So the back and forth is frankly uh, a little bit more data driven than did you just, you know, check the box on these 40 elements in my, in my signage package or in my sponsorship package. Completely agree. That, that evolution has been a long time coming. Again, I hate to make myself sound ancient, but uh, uh, I've definitely, you know, been anticipating it for a while. And I think one of the big things too, is that the, the data and the tools needed have just become more accessible and more affordable. I mean, I, I remember you know, 10, 15 years ago trying to pitch kind of measurement solutions, but quite frankly, they, they require a lot of, a lot of uh, investments on the part of whoever was, was, was behind it. I think you're right. It's, it, but as part of this, um, yeah, not to get too philosophical, but as part of this broader ecosystem of um, technology and adoption of technology, right? Because you know, the more devices that are, you know, in market, the more people that are using them in venue, the more data you're receiving, you know, either you're digesting it at so many different levels, you're able to analyze it at different levels. I mean, I, you know, even on the ticketing side, the NFL talks about all the new names that have been added to the database of the National Football League at the national level and local level as it relates to mobile ticketing, right? So if you think about it in that small window, you know, a brand or a team would have in the past never been able to really understand who was coming into their building outside of you, Jim, the season ticket holder. Now, you know, every single person that's come in every single, you know, and at, at demographic level that you've never had before. Right. And that gives you a tremendous amount of opportunity to then market to those individuals as you know it. And so that sort of flywheel of adoption of technology, um, uh, measurement tools that are way better than they used to be. That's all sort of converged on every single brand and every team trying to make sure that they maximize the use of that data in a proper way. I'm going to switch gears and and ask you about uh, a new area for for you and for Elevate, which is the collegiate sports space. And you've got the, the you know partnership now with with Learfield IMG. And I'd love to know what uh, what you're seeing there that kind of drove the interest in in that space. Well, I think every partnership we've done starts with people first and foremost. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Cole Cahagan. We have been friends for a long time in this business, dating back to his days at Ticketmaster and then with Fanatics um, and now with Learfield. Elevate, we, we took the stance. Um, we were already supporting a number of collegiate properties as it relates to um, uh, strategy, consulting, feasibility, renovation plans. And the reality is there 
college sports is facing some of the same things that pro sports are and some completely different. Right. And when I say completely different, nil is completely different. Right. Um, you know, it's a new thing for them that they have to work through, but as it relates to their revenue components, it's pretty much the same. There's media, there's sponsorship, there's tickets, there's suites, right. Their facilities. So we were doing a lot of that work already, even though we weren't in the uh, multimedia rights space. We had felt as though um, Cole and I, when we sat down, is the multimedia rights space was evolving. Neil was coming online. We felt as though we had assets in our company or services in our company that could be complementary to Learfield. Learfield is the market leader as it relates to you know the sheer size of their portfolio. And you know, when Cole and I sat down, it was look, elevates interest in the collegiate market are somewhat adjacent to what you do right now. And ultimately, you want to provide better services and tools to your schools to make efficient decisions. Some of that is in what they've built in fan base. And we have these other capabilities on this side of the ledger. So it makes sense to attack you know, the college market, provide services that we believe no other you know, provider can, right? If you combine the two together. And look, it's a competitive space. There's really good providers outside of Learfield, but we've been really fortunate. I think it's been conversations are are are, are fantastic. We've already done a number of deals with them. Um, we have a number of pi- in the pipeline, and the way I would frame it, Jim, without getting too much in the competitive because it's competitive space, is if you think about what's happened inside of pro sports, given the carnage of COVID, it's no different, if not worse, inside of collegiate sports, and so. You know, a couple of years back, there was this huge talking point around, do you allow alcohol sales in college campuses, right? And so I think the modernization or of this collegiate revenue bucket will continue to evolve. Do you do naming rights at collegiate venues when it wasn't done really before, right? It was more about donors putting their names on buildings. How do you think about the holistic university campus as it relates to both the athletic program and the campus? And what the opportunities are for brands to attach themselves to not just one small sliver of the campus, but the entire campus. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity there. There's a ton of disruption that everyone talks about. So there's no need to recap some of those. But uh, our partnership has been fantastic uh, since we launched it. And I'm excited about the future. Certainly seems to be a lot of opportunity to do do bigger and better things across that that, uh, segment. So Elevate itself has, has you know, been around three years now, grown pretty rapidly, organically and through acquisition you know, in the ticketing space. I know you acquired Dynamic Pricing Partners in the spring of this year, launched a brand consulting division uh, this summer. Lots of different, different arms and legs there. I'm just wondering what, what, what's kind of the end goal? What, what, what does Elevate want to, to be, I guess, when it grows up, not that it's not already fully grown? Yeah, I love this question, Jim. I smile because I get this question sometimes from our our team and board members. Look, we're trying to be the best sports and entertainment agency on behalf of properties, teams, leagues, and brands. That's what we're trying to be right now. Defined as we would define it. I'll use this analogy, even though it's it's not. Look, I think everybody can use this. What we'd be when we grow up, like if you asked Amazon that in the very beginning, they would say we sell books. They wouldn't say we own Whole Foods and we're going to do this. So I don't have a crystal ball as the 10 years of Elevate, right? I think 
you got to be a subject matter expert in the things you do currently and do them very, very well before you try to expand your portfolio, right? And we have taken the build by partner approach. We've, as you mentioned, organically built some piece of our business, our partnership business, our ticketing business. We organically started those, right? In the brand space, we've organically started those. We've hired Cameron Wagner, formerly of GMR, to start that. We've also taken the partner approach. You've mentioned Learfield, OVG, although they're, you know, they're an equity partner, is also a partner because we represent them on the premium side of their buildings, right? So it's a fantastic partnership for us. And then we've taken the buy approach. We've acquired Infinite Scale. We've acquired Dynamic, Dynamic Pricing Partners. We've made another acquisition, which I won't announce today. But sure. we've, we've, tried, we've tried to build synergies um, inside of what we do and try to make sure that we provide a holistic offering again to the constituents that I mentioned before. And you know, if you think about it, right, Dynamic Pricing Partners has probably the market leading share of inventory in college sports, right? On kind of the secondary and primary market. We're providing data back to the schools to help them price their inventory better while also providing the providing them the ability to distribute on a wider net, network. We're taking our infinite scale design and package work to build out experiences on those campuses, which were already being done. And so you can start to see a world where you can really sort of be a turnkey solution for, again, leagues, teams, properties, and brands. Where we expand from that, Jim, you know, I, I, I don't want to give the answer because it's a competitive world. Of course, we are being aggressive inside of our build by partner approach. And uh, our board has been great, right? I'm so lucky to have uh, the, the folks at Live Nation Ticketmaster and OVG and the 49ers and the folks at Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment to be on the board to provide leadership for us and vision as it relates to the future. But it's been a great three-year run to date. Uh, I think we're uh, we're operating in 24 states and two countries, uh, and you know we got a good employee bandwidth, but we wouldn't be able to do it without our clients. And so uh, we'll see what's next. I know as um, much as you're interested to see what's next, uh, we are too. So um, I'm sure you'll <laughs> keep keep us informed, and maybe we'll be able to sit down again and, and talk about some of those developments uh, in the future. But uh, for now, I just want to say, Al, thanks so much for, for taking the time and, and uh, chatting with me and, and the audience and, and sharing some really uh, great insights and ideas. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate it. All right. And on behalf of everyone at Ticket Manager, thank all of you for watching and listening. And please join us again for the next episode in the All Access interview series.